possible that we are seeing a rise in Satanism and the kingdom of darkness at the same time we're seeing a rise in spiritual awakening amongst our young? I believe that it is, and I believe that it's a sign that we are in the last days. Plus, Canadian Parliament gives a Nazi a standing ovation, revealing how detached from history our current generational leaders are. And I publicly repent for ever speaking out against homeschooling, and you'll see why. This is your favorite night of the week, The Deep End on Tim Hatch Live. Okay, everybody, welcome into Season 7, Episode 3 of The Deep End, where we talk about news and commentary from a Christian worldview. Make sure that you're hitting that like button, the subscribe button, and the notification bell to get notified on your smart device every time we go live here on the channel, Tim Hatch Live, uh, youtube.com slash Tim Hatch Live. Um, I'm going to start with good news today because we might be experiencing a great awakening amongst our youth, and so let's do that. Really, really, really good. That's really good news. It's good. Yeah, really good news is that out of Corpus Christi, Texas, 1,000 students attended a revival night. 124 were baptized. This the Christian Post reporting, and here's what's happening. New Life Church of Corpus Christi helped organize this event on the campus on August 31st. It was called One Night. Last year, they had 600 in attendance. This year, they had 1,000 in attendance and saw 51 baptisms last year, 124 baptisms this year. This is a public university, Texas A&M University. This is a good sign. We are seeing a maybe an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon our young nationwide. Uh, Sanford University in Birmingham, Birmingham Alabama, uh, another college that's seeing a move of the Holy Spirit that was inspired by the Asbury revival from last year. We're seeing a college in Minnesota that's experiencing it. Lee University in Tennessee as well reporting just an outpouring and a uh, just a renewal amongst our young people in college campuses, both secular and sa- sacred. Right now, that that's exciting news. That's good news. This is what God has done to save our country from oblivion a time and time again. I believe it was the first great awakening in this country in the 1700s that gave rise to a spirit of revolution and casting off the uh, government-controlled Church of England and declaring independence in this country. I believe it was the second great awakening that spurred the move to emancipate the slaves in the 1800s. And I believe that the Pentecostal renewal of the 1900s spurred on global missionary works across the world in this from this country. I believe in the Jesus Revolution in the 1970s that swept across the young in that generation to launch churches across the nation that are still alive and well taught and preached in to this day. I I believe that we might be seeing the first flames, the first sparks of another great awakening. Isn't that exciting? News out of Auburn University uh, here in, not here, but down in Alabama, 200 students were baptized at a worship night in Neville Arena. God is moving in our secular and sacred institutions. That is good news for the people of God. Here is the video of young people getting baptized in the waters. Just exciting stuff to see happen on our college universities, where you would least expect it. But that's how God works, right? He always works in where in, in ways we don't expect. He always works in the places we least expect. He takes David out of the sheepfold to defeat Goliath. Uh, he brings Jesus out of Nazareth to change the world. He chose Peter, James, and John, these fishermen, uh, Matthew, tax collectors, to rewrite human history literally with the stroke of their pens. 
Don't give up on the next generation is what I'm saying. But here's my question for the church. And that's why we do this show. Will the church celebrate this or will they critique it? In other words, are you going to be excited for this? Or are you going to be one of those? I don't know. I call you Pharisees. You're always like looking down your nose at things like this. Well, they didn't have, you know, the proper denominational affiliation. Well, it was orchestrated by event planners. Well, it was, you know, led by this famous preacher guy. I mean, who cares? Who cares? Even Paul in Philippians chapter one says, I don't care about the motivations of these teachers who are just doing it for their own gain. What I care about is that Christ is being preached and you should be thankful in our country that is turning darker than ever before. God is lighting a fire amongst the younger generations. Let me give you another uh, reason why you don't want to be in the critique crowd in the church, because this is what the church famously does. God moves and then uh, Christians criticize it. God, I remember when the Pentecostal revival was happening in the 1990s and I was a part of it and pastors around the country condemned it. I mean, we needed people to be filled with the Holy Spirit for heaven's sakes. It profoundly touched my life. Can, can, can we just celebrate when God moves? Because when you're on the critique side, you're on the side of people like the Freedom From Religion Foundation. So the Minnesota chapter of the Freedom From, From Religion Foundation actually spoke out against the revival that's happening in Auburn University in Alabama. So here come angry atheists from out of state to say, hey, that spiritual awakening that's happening and where kids are willingly getting baptized and coaches from the school and the football team are actually baptizing those students, that needs to stop because it's a violation of the Constitution. And so they put out this press release, Auburn University is a public university, not a religious one. It is inappropriate and unconstitutional for university employees to use their university position to organize, promote, and participate in religious worship events. These ongoing and repeated constitutional violations at the university create a coercive environment that excludes those students who don't subscribe to the Christian views being pushed onto uh, players by their coaches. Okay, so a coach gets into the pool to baptize a student outside of class time, outside of football time, and this is a violation of the Constitution. But when the third grade teacher wants to talk to the 10 year olds about their sexual proclivities, that's okay. You see the, the hypocrisy here? The fourth grade trans teacher can say, I used to be a man and now I'm attracted to ladies and uh, I'm attracted to uh, bisexuals as well. And let's talk about our sexuality. And that's okay. That the Freedom from, from Religion Foundation, I, I assure you, is not protesting. But when a kid willfully wants to get baptized on the grounds of a public university that was led, uh, that, that happened at a student-led prayer and revival night, and heaven forbid, or I don't know what the atheists would say, earth forbid that the coaches be there, that some of the professors be there, <laughs> this is a violation of the Constitution. Wrong. This is the exercise of uh, religion. This is the free exercise of religion. Read the Constitution, Freedom From Religion Foundation. What I find oftentimes is that the the uh, the Freedom From Religion Atheist Foundations are really just former evangelicals who've been burned by the church and are angry at every Christian they ever meet. That's usually what happens. People who are raised atheists are very rarely leaders of these organizations. I, that's just been my experience. I might be wrong. Anyway, thank God for Governor Kay Ivey from Alabama who tweeted out, quote, I am proud to stand in support of religious liberty at Sneed State Community College, where another revival is happening, and Auburn University. As governor, I can assure you, Alabama will never be intimidated by out-of-state interest groups dedicated to destroying our nation's religious heritage. Good for you, Governor K. Ivy, Minnesota, find yourself a governor like K. Ivy. That's what I would suggest. This should be the stance of every Christian. We should celebrate, we should promote and be happy for people who are experiencing revival, even if it's not in our denominational 
you know, name or camp or tribe. But inevitably, there will be some well-intentioned or misinformed or even, dare I say, jealous pastors or Christian leaders who will speak out against these revivals. When I was talking about the Asbury revival last year on this channel, I remember people chatting in saying, well, that revival was orchestrated by so-and-so. And I don't care. I am glad that young people are praying and calling out to Jesus. Let's stay away from critique. Let's celebrate the wins because we've got plenty of losses to moan, don't we? If we do critique, it reminds me of this passage from Mark chapter 9 where the disciples come to Jesus and say, Hey, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. And Jesus rebukes them. I just see Jesus saying, Oy vey, these disciples, what am I going to do with these people? He says, don't stop them. For the one who does a mighty work in my name will not soon afterwards be able to speak evil of me. And the one who is not against us is for us. The one who is not against us is for us. Okay? That wasn't a glitch on your computer. I did that with my own sound effects with my mouth. <laughs> but listen to that line in verse 40. The one who is not against us is for us. That's, that means there's a broad, big tent brush Jesus is painting when it comes to his beautiful and unique church. And when there's a revival that's happening in a way that you don't see fit, man, maybe just celebrate instead of critique. Anyway, maybe I'm pressing on that a little bit too hard because here's the reality. We want to celebrate a spiritual awakening amongst our young. You know why? Because college campuses are rotting. They're rotting away the freedoms and the liberties that built this country. A report was unveiled by Congress this week showing that 60% of students on college campuses believe that political and social climates right now prevent them from speaking freely and expressing their opinions. This is a 10% increase in the past two years. And uh, 88% of students believe that their college should foster environments where students and professors can have respectful dialogue with people that they disagree with. Also on college campuses, this is alarming, so-called free speech zones. (laughs) A college has a free speech zone? I never heard of such a thing. Hey, college kids, heads up. Got news for you. The whole country is a free speech zone. If you go to a school that is giving you a small little place, and that's what it is, a small little place on campus that's way out of the way, and you have to, (laughs) the article says, you have to pre-register to go use the free speech zone to speak your mind. And the the hours are limited, (laughs) and the activities are limited, even in the free speech zone. Do you know what we call that? We call that... Weird. Weird. Yeah. It's weird when... Universities, you know, the idea of university universal is in the name means we look at all views and we let, you know, people pull them apart and test them and, you know, question them and debate them and talk about them. That's what the term university means. And now universities are just indoctrination camps for left wing politics and progressives. But that's what's happening. We want to also be thankful that the young people are experiencing a spiritual awakening because Barna Research has now dubbed the new generation of kids the open generation. Yes, Gen Z turns out that they are the lightest teenage generation in history. Lightest meaning they are open, inclusive. They want to seek truth, authenticity, and change. That's why Barna has dubbed them the open generation because they are more open to Jesus, more open to scripture, and more open to making an impact than previous generations. I have a chart here on the screen showing that the 13 to 17 year olds are by far more Christian than their 18 to 22 year old counterparts. That could be a spiritual awakening among the younger teens, but it also could be part and parcel with what happens. You know, you're raised in the faith in your teen years when you're home home with mom and dad. Then you go to college and kind of abandon faith or at least test it or maybe even not deny it, heaven forbid. But, but the good news is that the reports are coming out that these kids are starting to open their eyes to Jesus and trying to find him. 
We should celebrate that. We should cultivate that. We should partner with that. By the way, compared to their global counterparts, Christian teens and teens by and large in America are far more open to the Christian message than in other countries. Ladies and gentlemen, this is good news. It reminds me of this very simple fact. There is a spiritual hunger that is happening right now in America. The chaos of the last three years has produced an emptiness and a void that people want to fill with almost anything. And the church has a golden opportunity to bring Christ into that void. Don't celebrate. I mean, don't critique. Celebrate and partner. This is a good opportunity also for Christians and churches to flex their muscles and start things to reach the next generation. My church is opening a Christian school next fall for ages, uh, grades K to six. And the reason why is because it's a golden opportunity. People are flocking to Christian schools around the country. I bring you to news out of Loudoun County, the epicenter of the parents' rights movement, Loudoun County, Virginia where a new Cornerstone Christian Academy was opened by a Cornerstone Chapel led by Pastor Gary Hambrook. And uh, 500 students uh, started the year in the school. Parents ran, didn't walk, they ran to sign up their young people for this education. It's an awakening, potentially a very powerful awakening happening amongst the young. Which is interesting because the devil loves to target the young. And maybe he's overplayed his hand here because all the devil really has to offer the young is emptiness and pain and misery. He's been doing that for generations. Maybe, just maybe, there's an awakening happening because all that emptiness has finally gotten over their heads. And they want to, they want to breathe again. They want to breathe truth again. And that brings me to my public repentance and the educational system of our country. And I'm going to repent in just a moment, but I'm also going to do a segment on what you parents need to know about why you got to get your kids more now than ever before out of public schools. Let's do it. What every parent needs to know about what is happening, the degradation of our public education system. I repent here and now, publicly, on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Tim Hatch Live. Just make sure you click that like button and subscribe button also. <laughs> I repent. You know why I repent? I repent for ever speaking against homeschooling. Ever. Now, in my defense... When I was raising my kids in schools, and they were going to public schools, my oldest went through public school uh, K to 12. It was different then. It wasn't nearly as overt and disastrous as it has become. But I'm going to show you some images because public schools are back in session. And here are some images that are floating around the internet, mostly from libs of TikTok, of uh, schools near you and what's happening. This is from Long Meadow Elementary School in Massachusetts. All the gay and trans flag paraphernalia up on the door and all with hearts because that is what it's all about. That's education right there. Feelings, talking, and voicing, and apologizing, and accepting, and being so open-minded that your brain falls out. This is from Denver, Colorado. Denver Mamas is a Facebook group. This is a picture my son sent me from a school in 10th grade. Notice the presentation on the TV screen in a 10th grade public school. Friday circle time, quote, What's your biggest turn on, end quote. Why in Denver is a 10th grade student being subjected to a, a group chat about their biggest 
turn on. This is back in Danvers, Massachusetts. You asked, we listened, drag makeup classes on Tuesday, September 26th. Oh, that was today. <laughs> in the public library for teenagers from 6 to 7 p.m., drag makeup classes in Danvers, Massachusetts, your tax dollars at work, ladies and gentlemen. This should alarm you. This is, I got to put this on full screen. Rick Vanderhall, first day of school for new kindergartners. This is a kindergartner teacher named Rick Vanderhall. Um, where does Rick Vanderhall teach? Silverdale, Washington at Central Kitsap School. And he's dressed in women's clothing, has painted fingernails and red rimmed glasses. And he's just a bucket of warning for sending your kid to public school. And then this guy in Canada, I know we're not Canadians, but what's going on, Canada? This is Ottawa, Canada. Notice every flag is represented except the Can Canadian flag. That's where your tax dollars are going, Canadians. Now, remember, the freedom from religion people say, this is fine. That is okay. It's those gnarly Christians pushing, pushing their agenda on the general public that are uh, violating the Constitution. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, more out of Canada, and I'm going to speak about Canada in just a moment uh, more seriously. This is a wall in a Canadian high school. All the sexuality flags uh, displayed prominently and propaganda abounding in the public education system. Now, there's a reason why I'm bringing this up. Because as Abraham Lincoln once said, the philosophy of a generation uh, one generation in the schoolroom will become the philosophy of that generation in the uh, governing halls eventually. I butchered the quote, but you get the idea. In other words, what you teach them when they're young will become policy when they're older. This is why free speech is under attack, because dare we question the narrative of the sexual progressives. Now our speech has to be curbed by legal means. Or we just are so out of touch with history because we're teaching propaganda and not reading, writing, and arithmetic, and oh, I don't know, world history, that an entire generation of leaders in Canada literally celebrates a Nazi. No, no, no. This happened. This happened at the Canadian Parliament. First, Justin Trudeau has President Zelensky from Ukraine speak to his parliament. Um, and then House Speaker Anthony Rhoda honored an actual Nazi and he received a standing ovation from the Canadian Parliament. There he is. That's Yaroslav Hanka. This guy fought. And, 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 and that guy right there is House Speaker Anthony Rhoda. And there he is saying, and I have it muted, but I'll tell you what he's saying. They are saluting Yaroslav Hanka because, listen to this. He fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians during the Second World War. Hmm. See what happens when you teach indoctrination and not world history anymore? Because fact check, the Russians were on our side in the Second World War. And if you were fighting against the Nazis in the Second World War, you were a, if you were fighting against, sorry, if you were fighting against the Russians in the Second World War, you were a Nazi. That's the only opponent they had. I got news for you. So they literally, because of the Ukraine war fighting Russia now, they, they just honored a Nazi. And that's what happens when you don't educate, when you indoctrinate. This is the kind of mess that you happen. Yaroslav Hunka was part of a unit that assisted in the Holocaust. He massacred civilians. He saluted Hitler. Well, I'm, I'm sure he's very familiar with his gender. <laughs> By the way, what did Justin Trudeau say after this was exposed and he had egg on his face? Guess what he did? He decided to blame Russia disinformation. Watch. It's going to be really important for all of us to push 
information and continue our steadfast and unequivocal support for Ukraine uh, as uh, we did last week with announcing uh, further measures to stand with Ukraine in uh, Russia's illegal war against it. Uh, Russia, Russia, Russia. My word. They, they never stop beating this drum, do they? Who's to blame for our poor economic conditions? Russia. Who's to blame for inflation? Russia. Who's to blame for Donald Trump? Russia. Who's to blame for Joe Biden's inadequacy as a president? Russia. I haven't heard this much blaming of Russia since Rocky fought Drago. Drago! Back to the craziness in public education. My home state of Massachusetts taking the cake for crazy. They have officially updated their sex ed guidelines for public education for the first time in 24 years. Guess what's on the top of the list of agenda changes? 14-year-old boys have to come out as transgender. And it's critical that LGBTQ plus children are able to hear and learn about themselves in schools through the curriculum. Now, I went to public school in Massachusetts. At no point in my public education environment was it a concern of the leaders of that educational system to have me hear and learn about myself. I wasn't in public education to hear and learn about myself. I was in public education to hear and learn th about things other than myself. You, you, you see the obnoxious narcissism at work in public education. You don't go to school to learn about you. You go to school to learn about things other than you. But this is the rampant onset, the rapid onset of educational dysphoria in the public school system. Get your kids out if you possibly can. If you're a pastor, get a Christian school started. Get some tools in parents' hands so that they don't have to subject their kids to this craziness anymore. Brings me to news out of Tennessee because the battle is real for our young and the devil loves to come after them. A Tennessee homeschooling family who moved here 15 years ago because Germany outlawed homeschooling their children is now being um, uh, deported by the federal government. Joe Biden's Department of Justice, yeah, justice in air quotes because there's no justice there anymore. They are, they are uh, fighting to get this family, this is the Romick family from Morristown, Tennessee, out of the country after being here for 15 years and having three grown children marry Americans. This, country, this family has to move back to Germany, according to Biden's DOJ. Why? Because evidently leaving your country for uh, educational asylum of your young is not allowed, is not uh, at the top of the priority list for President Sleepy Joe. Uh, yet this was uh, the story. An immigration judge initially granted the family's application for asylum, and then the U.S. Department of Justice appealed the decision, and the U.S. Board of Immigration Appeals revoked this family's asylum status, and that's where they stand in limbo. They have appealed the decision uh, with the U.S. Homeschool Defense Association, but the three-judge panel unanimously ruled against them. Why did they come? They wanted to educate their children in the Christian faith, and German schools do not allow that. And our government, our federal government, your tax dollars are helping to make sure that they go back to Germany where they don't have a home, where they don't have jobs, where they don't have anything to their name. <laughs> and this is happening. We, we, we are seeing our country, our federal government deport people like them, while at the same time making news, making, making sure that New York City and other areas of the country are, are overrun by record numbers of illegal immigration. So uh, Joe Biden just won an award. He has the most... Uh, immigrants to ever try to enter the United States unlawfully in August. Over 300,000 immigrants attempted in August. That's an all-time record. Seven million illegal immigrants entered the country during the president's tenure so far. 
So he's been in office for what, three and a half years, and we might have five and a half years left after they do the ballot harvesting of this nonsense. Uh, this is uh, New York City is going to spend a billion dollars on hotels to shelter migrants for three more years. We'll talk about why for three more years in just a moment. These are boats uh, coming to shore in Texas, dropping off illegal migrants. Just boat after boat after boat. No problem here. Christian family from Germany, that's a problem. Get them out of the country. But illegal immigrants, no problem. Come on in. This is a train loaded up with illegal Im immigrants coming into our country in record numbers. And so what does Joe Biden decide to do about all these problems? Guess what he's doing? He's giving them legal status and work permits. This is CBS reporting. A half a million Venezuelan migrants now have obtained legal status and work permits following demands from strained cities. A record number of 472,000 additional Venezuelans are expected to qualify for the program, which had allowed already 242,000 migrants from the country to obtain the status. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I am not anti-immigrant. America is a land of immigrants, and my wife is an immigrant. She's a legal immigrant, but maybe we should have laws and borders. I don't know. Just my opinion, because it seems that if we don't have laws and borders, we pay the price as a country. So let's go back to New York City and see what's happening, because in the words of President Obama's uh, chief of staff, Rahm Emanuel, never let a crisis go to waste, right? How do you find a way to let a crisis actually, I don't know, support the corrupt capitalist, capitalistic system that you completely can continually complain about. That's what's happening in New York City. There's a nefarious agenda going on here. New York City, again, spending a billion bucks, a billion dollars on hotels, just the hotels, to shelter migrants for three more years. Why three more years? Uh, this is incredible. The reason why is because uh, New York City's tourism is really struggling. Struggling because of the COVID lockdowns, the draconian mandates from their mayors and uh, state leaders, and the hotels don't have money coming in because nobody wants to visit the, the city like they used to. And so they were estimating that it was going to be about three years before the tourism industry would bounce back. So to make sure that the tourism, tour, tourism industry in New York can survive, let's take tax dollars and house illegal immigrants in those hotels. And the fees are going to be about five times as much what they originally anticipated the cost. And even some Democrats are waking up saying that this stinks of crony capitalism. Uh, why to 2026? Because back in January of 2022, Governor Kathy Hochul admitted that the New York City hotels and tourism industry would not recover jobs until 2026. You get it? Are you following the money trail here? So... The hotels are struggling because nobody wanted to visit the city because the city shut itself down so terribly that people were afraid of going, including this guy and many of you. And so now in order to make sure that they don't actually suffer economically, well, let's just pour tax dollars into it from around the state and the country to house illegal immigrants in those hotels to make sure that we can buoy the capitalistic system, the croniest capitalistic system that is holding us together. That is exactly what's happening in one of America's most famous cities, in one of the world's most famous cities. Never let a crisis go to waste. That's what's happening. At the same time, Open Doors warns that America is no longer a safe haven for, persecution, for persecuted Christians. So Christians seeking asylum and refugee status in America for political persecution and religious persecution in other countries, uh, those numbers of our country allowing them in are down 70% to record lows from 2016. 
So our country is welcoming illegal migrants uh, hand over fist and then saying to Christians who are fleeing religious persecution, you stay where you are. Does not seem very compassionate to me. Seems kind of satanic. And we've got to talk about that as well because the spiritual battle is real. At the same time, there's a spiritual awakening amongst our young. There is a satanic uprising amongst our leaders And we need to talk about it in a brand new segment of this channel that I'm calling This Week in Satan. This Week in Satan. On the deep end. Okay, This Week in Satan. Who would have thought I would ever do a segment like this? But we do need revival, friends. We need revival in our world and in our country because Satan's at work. The God of this world, as Paul calls him in 2 Corinthians 4.4, he's at work in the state powers. That means the governments of this world. Remember when Jesus is tempted by Satan? What What does Satan say? I'll give you the kingdoms of this world because they're mine to give you, Luke's gospel tells. They're mine to give you. Right. And Revelation talks about at the end of time, when Jesus is seated on the throne, then the kingdoms of this world are his. He is bringing them to himself now through the gospel being preached. And that's why we go to the nations. And that's why we pray for spiritual revival. But right now, Satan is running the, you know, legislative bodies and the uh, parliamentary bodies, Canada, and the congressional bodies of countries around the world. And I bring you news again from uh, Ukraine. Uh, President Zelensky, are you are you sick of this guy? Are you sick of hearing about Ukraine, a country that you have funded for a year and a half now, um, and you can't even find on a map? Well, 60 Minutes on CBS was surprised to find out that we are paying for more than weapons. Now, 5% of our national defense has gone to Ukraine for the last 18 months. 5% of our national defense has already gone there. But General Ben Hodges of the U.S. military said on the 60 Minutes documentary last Sunday that American taxpayers are financing more than just weapons. The government is now buying seeds and our government is buying seeds and fertilizer for Ukrainian farmers. So we're subsidizing Ukrainian farmers and we're covering the salaries and the pensions of Ukraine's first responders, 57,000 of them. This is CBS reporting. Shockingly, someone was asleep at the switch of political correctness on 60 60 minutes last Sunday. But that includes this this, um, rescue dog. I guess we're paying for that rescue dog named Joy that comes through the records of uh, wreckage of Russian strikes looking for survivors. And CBS was, was surprised to find that we are also paying and subsidizing small businesses in Ukraine to keep their economy afloat. Now, the same government that made sure that they shuttered the country terribly so that your small business was possibly closed, the same country that is redefining the economic system that is causing a lot of my small business owners in my church to struggle financially, that same government is now subsidizing small business owners in a country that we can't find on a map. Now, that is not the real news out of Ukraine. Ukraine. Here's the real news. Are you ready? I give you the new ambassador of Ukraine, Maria, Marina Abramovich. Abramovich. <laughs> So Zelensky added this person to his ambassador list. She is 76 years old. She is an artist. And she's going to rebuild the schools in Ukraine. And look at her art, holding a dead goat's head and right there trying to wash the blood off of a pile of dead 
uh, Cal Bones. Uh, she talks about having been invited by Zelensky to be an ambassador for Ukraine. She was the first to support the Ukraine war against Russia and give her voice. It's a repetition of history. Repetition of history? You mean when the Ukrainian Nazis were fighting the Russians? Is that what you're talking about? The repetition of history? <laughs> Unbelievable. Over the years, Abramovich has famously written billboard signs, billboard-sized messages in pig's blood, etched pentagrams onto her stomach with razor blades, put devilish horns on her head, and hosted dinners meant to realistically... Imitate cannibalism, but that's not the real news. Uh, She was only known partially until November 2016 when her name showed up in emails released by WikiLeaks hacked from the account of John Podesta, Hillary Clinton's uh, uh, campaign chairman, where she invited John Podesta and his brother to join her for, get this, a spirit cooking event at her residence in New York. What is a spirit cooking event? Well, this article states that one spirit cooking event recorded in 1997 on video included the artist using pig's blood to write recipes on walls. The only ingredients called for are bodily fluids, quote, mix fresh, fresh breast milk with fresh sperm milk and fresh morning urine sprinkled over nightmare dreams with sharp with a sharp knife cut deeply into the middle finger of your left hand and eat the pain, end quote. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I give you the new ambassador of Ukraine. Oh, this is a picture of some of her work. I guess that's pig's blood paint, if you will. So the New York Times did an expose defending her because conspiracy theories jumped on her. Theorists jumped on her, uh, tying her to the um, the Pizzagate scandal. And uh, so YouTube removed a video that was calling her out about it. Who knew that YouTube would ever do such a thing? Wink, wink, YouTube. Anyway, uh, she said that her spirit cooking dinner, which had been, uh, had the same name as a book and a performance in which she painted absurd, absurd recipes and blood on the walls of an Italian gallery, actually involved her cooking a few simple dishes for about 20 people who had donated to her art institute. So nothing big, nothing big deal. We had lots of fun. There was no human blood or baby serving or sex orgies. Imagine having to defend yourself against those accusations in the first place. Back to this article from LifeSite News, it says this. She said, quote, my work is really more about spirituality and nothing else. Um, I've been doing my work for so long, and this is a misunderstanding. It's absolutely outrageous and ridiculous. I mean, this world is really turning to hell, (laughs) you think? And I am completely amazed. Something is taken out of context for the purpose of winning. This is back in 2016. We are living in such a strange world. We had lots of fun at the spirit cooking event. There was no human blood or baby serving or sex orgies. Yeah, the new ambassador for Ukraine. And that is why I say rejoice at the spiritual awakening happening amongst the young. Because the devil is hard at work in our political leaders. And he is hard at work in enhancing and celebrating and evangelizing paganism. And paganism is, at the end of the day, just the celebration and the worship of the creator thing over the creator. Now, I'm going to do a deep end follow-up here to talk a little bit more about this. Because you have to understand that the powerful, such as the heads at YouTube, who uh, cut down this video last week, my episode from last week, because I showed too much of the uh, Apple iPhone reveal video. I thought Apple wanted free advertising, but I guess not. I'm going to do a deep end follow-up on that same segment because I'm not going to let YouTube get away with it. They're not going to shut down my thoughts on this very paganistic uh, presentation from Apple last week. So let's do it right now. The deep end follow-up. Okay, again, yeah, they took this content down last week. Apple is showing us 
that we are desperate for religion. Now, to have a religion, uh, you need a God, you need sin, you need law, you need prophets, you need a gospel, you need priests, you need atonement. Well, if you're not going to follow the, you know, historic Orthodox Christian religion, you're going to fall for another form of religion. So in this case, pagan creation worship. That's what Apple basically got involved in with their keynote reveal of the uh, iPhone 15. So first you have a god, that's Mother Nature, played by Octavia, Oct Octavia Spencer. And she's a fabulous actress. I have nothing against her, but she plays this ridiculous character, Mother Nature, who enters the building and everybody is scared and everybody is worried. Will we be able to appease the sacred Mother Nature? And what do you have? Worshippers, overweight Americans uh, from diverse backgrounds, talking about how much they're doing to appease the God of Mother Nature. And then the final scene from the video, literal prayer hands to Mother Nature. Tim Cook is prayer handing Mother Nate. Look at him. Look at his posh. We and he literally says in this clip, "We will do better. Whatever it takes, M Mother Nature. We're not worthy. We worship this. This is paganism. This this is one of the world's richest and most famous and largest and most influential companies paying homage to a pagan god." and proving that religion is baked into the cake of the human heart. We are made to worship. If we do not worship the true God, we will worship anything made by God. And I'm actually kind of thankful. Do you know why? Because it just shows that the human heart is also wide open for true faith, true religion. I look at what I've talked about on this show so far, and I think, have a conversation with somebody this week. Talk to them about where they stand with God. It might lead to places that you don't expect. It might lead to good conversation. I do believe in the open generation. I think that the good news, the positive side of all the open-mindedness open mindedness of our culture right now is people are open-minded to Christ. Amen. Yes. Anyway, that's the show Glad you were here. Check out the gear and wear on timhatchlive.com where you can get some swag from us. Also support the content, Tim Hatch Live, uh, the cash app, or timhatchlive.com slash support. And if you support us, you know we are now supporting Project Rescue to stop sex trafficking of children and the American Bible Society. 10% of all that comes in is going both to Project Rescue and American Bible Society, that means 20% of all that you give goes out to those organizations. If you believe in us, know that we are doing good beyond us. Every Christian and every Christian organization needs to be a river, not a reservoir of God's blessings. The Deep Dive is back again tomorrow night with part two of the Torah study. I am psyched about that. I'll be back in the home office tomorrow night for that with you. And then get your questions in for 10 questions with Tim. Short episode today. 30-something minutes, 39 minutes, not so bad. I'm trying to do better with the content to make sure it's concise, clear, helpful, convicting, convincing, and most important, Christ-centered. God bless you. Have a great night. In Jesus' name.